This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. In the untouched regions of the forest, the kōkako runs through the treetops feeding on leaves, flowers and fruit. The South Island kōkako, with its distinctive orange wattles at the base of the bill, hasn't been sighted in many years and may be extinct. A situation the blue wattle bird of the North Island may find itself in unless its habitat is preserved. Its delightful call includes a variety of rich organ and bell-like notes. Community or chaos, we can construct and nurture community or fall into chaos. Over the next hour, Marvin Hubbard hosts conversations toward creating a fairer, more equal society. Community or chaos is made possible with the support of Quakers Aotearoa. You'll find them online at quaker.org.nz. Good day, friends. We're later today. We're going to have later in this hour. We're going to have Professor Stephen Zunas, an American International Relations lecturer at the University of San Francisco, who specializes in Middle Eastern politics, U.S. foreign policy, and strategic nonviolent action in the United States. But he, unfortunately, he's going to be a bit late because he, he's on. Um, national television in America for about five minutes or so at this time, so he'll come on when he can. In the meantime, we'll play some music, and also I might talk about Afghanistan myself a bit. Here they come marching past the houses, shiny boots and khaki blouses, stiff as the creases in their trousers, standing tall and straight and strong. And they all keep in step together, glint of steel and flash of leather, braving every kind of weather as they boldly march along. You can dismiss it as a ploy for the enlistment of the boys who'll be impressed to see the toys and play the games that can be played. And you may well prefer abstention, but I feel compelled to mention you do well to pay attention when the boys are on parade. Look at your sons before they're older, they'll be stronger, they'll be bolder, just the thing to make a soldier, and we'll turn them into men. And they'll be taught to follow orders, keep the peace and guard the borders, to protect us from marauders and defend us to the end. But the position they'll be filling is to be able and be willing to be killed or do the killing when there's a price that must be paid. And you may well prefer abstention, but I feel compelled to mention you do well to pay attention when the boys are on parade. 
In the pursuit of a community of decency and unity and equal opportunity, we stand prepared to fight. And if there's a threat to our position from an unruly opposition, then with guns and ammunition, we'll repel with all our might. And we'll dehumanize and hate them, sending the troops to decimate them as in the name of all the all it stands for is betrayed And you may well prefer abstention But I feel compelled to mention you do well to pay attention When the boys are on parade For merely the whim or intuition Of an elected politician Makes a melee with no conditions Once the monster quits the cage It's a machine that gives no quarter, dealing death and sowing slaughter, raping mothers, wives and daughters in an all-consuming rage. And we may well believe we need it, and we'll pay to arm and feed it. But can you tell me who will lead it when the decisions must be made? And you may well prefer abstention, but I feel compelled to mention you do well to pay attention when the boys are on parade. to fear and say that there's no danger here but there has never been a year when soldiers haven't been at war and all the evil executions and the bloody revolutions and the ultimate solutions to have all been seen before and there is always someone scheming and sometimes at night when dreaming in the distance I hear screaming and in my heart I feel afraid and you may well prefer abstention but I feel compelled to mention you do well to pay attention when the boys are on parade Here they come marching past the houses Shiny boots and khaki blouses Stiff as the creases in their trousers Standing tall and straight and strong And is it any cause for pride That now the women march beside them Will there be wiser gods to guide them In discerning right from wrong For every step is a reminder Of the threat that lies behind If we forget the ties that bind us When the authentic game is played Abstention, but I feel compelled to mention you do well to pay attention when the boys are on parade. And as the procession passes by, consider the sight before your eyes, cause it'll be you they kill and die for if they are called to the crusade. Or you may love them and adore them, you may hate them and abhor them, but for Christ's sake don't ignore them when the boys are on parade. That was Marcus Turner when the boys are on parade. As I told you, we're, our featured um, interviewee is going to be late, but we'll carry on with some music now and also talk. Um, didn't we cover ourselves with glory in Afghanistan and Iraq, the West, including New Zealand? This I read Helen Clark's column in the paper, and this was the... Actually, the issue that destroyed the the 
political part of the alliance because the alliance voted against sending troops to Iraq. And Jim Anderson said, we must support the Labor Party no matter what. And he left the alliance, broke up the alliance, actually, over the issue of sending troops to Afghanistan. We knew it would be a disgusting failure, and it was. And Helen Clark talks about the gains in um, Afghanistan, and she'd probably like to thinks that she can do better than the British or the Russians. And she intimated that the American Emporium should remain there rather permanently, like they have in Korea. And I'm sure she'd be glad to join the uh, colonizers of the American Empire in keeping New Zealand troops there. Fortunately, she's not in a position to do that. But um, one wonders when people learn and I rather doubt that I can think of her as a peaceful person after reading her column and also um, her insistence on sending New Zealand troops to Afghanistan. I'm going to play another song now, and then uh, we'll hope that uh, Stephen Zunas arrives. This guitar came from a timber From the body of a tree Through the workshop of a luthier Now it's on loan to me And it's good company after dinner And it fits my hands just fine But someday another singer With a pair of hands like mine Will coax out songs much prettier Still hiding in its strings Sing stronger, braver words than I could ever sing And folks are gonna love it Of this I'm almost sure So I take good care of it Cause I'm borrowing it from her Pass it along Pass it along May it land in careful hands when we're gone Carry it for a moment Time won't loan it to you for long You don't own it Pass it along This here is my country Sometimes it's hard to recognize it But I count myself lucky To have been born inside it And I'm grateful for the rights Others struggle hard to win And you can be sure I'm gonna fight they try and take them back again Oh, and everywhere teachers Though some fell along the way And the words they said still reach us Just like you're teaching me here today And you may not speak it loud But it's clear in what you do And I hope to make you proud Cause I borrowed it from you Pass it along Pass it along May it land in careful hands when we're gone You carry it for a moment 
left to use putting patents on discovery making seeds that don't reproduce if our vision is so narrow seeing only bought and sold we'll end up like the pharaohs buried with their gold we've all pushed this thing along we've all been guided by our fear but the river sings a song we've got to be quieter to hear it's in every child's face new and hopeful as a stem best be gentle with this place cuz we're borrowing it from them pass it along pass it along made land and careful hands when we're gone you carry it for a moment time won't loan it to you for long you don't own it pass it along Pass it long, pass it long. May it land in careful hands when we're gone. Carry it for a moment. Time won't loan it to you for long. You don't own it. Pass it long. Remember when we played among the trees Through pine cones and skinned our knees Built forts out of sticks and boats out of paper and wood And the days lasted so long Lots of games had their own song Up until dinner time we had the run of the neighborhood There was a rainbow and a piece of glass Dew drops in the tall grass Dark smells and shade and puddle of water in an old rubber tire And a hiding place inside And anywhere your bones fit And inside every story is something to fight against and someone to admire And the TV signed off at night But you could read with a flashlight And games just took cards or chalk or jacks and a ball 
We played grown up with candy I'll just leave it, play for it. Hello. Hello. Hello, Stephen. Good to hear from you. I hope your interview on American television went well. Yeah, thank you, and I'm uh, sorry for the delay in joining well, you. But that's I'm fine. Those, those, those things happen. We were going to talk mostly about American politics, but I think we ought to mention Afghanistan considering the situation. I just actually phoned a bit on the air because our former prime minister suggested that we could, the Americans and allies should stayed in Afghanistan another 20 years, so years if necessary. She didn't say 20, but she mentioned as an example Korea, where we, the Americans, in a very different situation, we have a very strong, stable government, uh, stayed permanently because of the uh, fear of North Korea invading South Korea. But she suggested perhaps we should do the same thing in uh, Afghanistan. What do you think about that argument? A total spurious analogy, um, and that I mean, South Korea has a stable uh, democratic government that's uh, relatively clean, uh, as opposed to this uh, kleptocracy <laughs> that is uh, um, <clears throat> Afghanistan. And the South Korean people are <clears throat> are united in supporting their government against any threat uh, from uh, North Korea, whereas, as, as it becomes very apparent, the um, Afghans uh, were not willing to fight and die for this uh, uh, correct, uh, this corrupt, um, uh, foreign-backed uh, regime. Uh, the um, it's uh, and it's a horrible situation. I mean, I, I really wish uh, something could be done. And and you know, I, I'm not uh, I, I I I'm not one of those who say there it is never ever justifiable for some kind of humanitarian intervention or whatever. If it's you know, necessary to uh, to prevent prevent uh, mass killings and and that kind of thing, uh, but you have to have a base. You have to have a base over which you can work. Well, actually, it does it make clear. did it ever make sense to invade Afghanistan? No, no, I, I really, I really don't think so. I mean, I, I even warned uh, in in a number of articles I wrote back in two thousand one, uh, quite ex- uh, explicitly, uh, that given uh, Afghanistan's. Um, history as the graveyard of empires, uh, the fact that over the centuries they have beaten uh, the Romans, uh, the Persians, uh, the, um, the British, uh, the Soviets, you know, that um, the United States uh, would not um, find uh, uh, much uh, success either. And the, um, and, and I mean, the, the, the fact is... So you don't really that, agree uh, with Helen Clark about that? Oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, I mean let's look let, let, let at the numbers. I mean, uh, nominally at least, the Afghan army had four times the number of troops that the Taliban uh, has. Uh, they they have an air force. And they have they received uh, close to a hundred billion dollars in um, uh, U.S. dollars in aid over the uh, um, over the years. Uh, they have been trained you know, by the most powerful armed force in the world, and. So it, it, it's not like having 2,500 additional troops, <laughs> which is what remained of the U.S. forces there in recent months, would have made any kind of difference. Nor would it make a difference if um, New Zealand sent some troops and Australia sent some troops, the Europeans sent some troops, whatever. It, 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 it's, not a mil- it's not a matter of a military uh, balance. 
It's a matter. It, it, was, it was a political collapse. It was not a military victory. And um, and I, I, I worked very closely with Afghans and Afghan Americans. There's a very there's a large um, um, Afghan community in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, where I live and, and where I teach. And uh, virtually every Afghan I've I've talked to um, has uh, was largely supportive of the idea of an international presence. Uh, but they believed it really needed to be only 10% military and 90% in helping to create sustainable uh, grassroots democratic institutions, build civil society, engage in um, sustainable development projects and the like. Uh, but the U.S. role, uh, which dominated the international effort, of course, was 90% military. And what development uh, projects there were, it seemed like uh, a lot of them were these top-down uh, efforts of dubious merit that went through these incredibly corrupt uh, elites. And so, you know, th this is not, the, you need to have the hearts and minds of the people behind you. And the, the Taliban, I mean, all the minority of, um, of Afghans support the Taliban's uh, dangerous, reactionary, misogynist, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, theological and political views. But for many Afghans, they were seen as the vanguard of resistance against what was seen as a foreign occupation uh, and a puppet government uh, that, was, that was set up. And, you know, the, the, and also the fact that the United States heavily bombed uh, the countryside with many thousands of civilian casualties and the more active part of the, of the war we engage in these search and destroy operations, raiding villages, you know, doing all these kinds of things, and ended up alienating a good chunk of the of the uh, of the population. And uh, it really, it was, it was um, I mean, I uh, in a sense, it was a giant Ponzi scheme. And and Biden, you know, had the courage to um, to call it out. And so, you know, it it it, it, it would be unfair to blame him any more than it would be to blame Gerald Ford for, for the collapse of the uh, South Vietnamese uh, regime under Chi just because he happened to be uh, president at the time of the communist victory. You know, uh, he was never that keen on staying in Afghanistan, was he? No, I mean, he, I mean and it's ironic, too, because Biden is, is uh, one of the more hawkish Democratic politicians. He was a big supporter of the invasion of Iraq. For Maybe example. you read his history books. Yeah, back back when he was the head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and even as president, you know, he has alienated a lot of people, you know, from the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party uh, due to his uh, uh, defense of Israel's war on Gaza, uh, due to um, his backing of uh, these military dictatorships like Sisi in, in Egypt, which. Uh, you know, gets over a billion dollars of taxpayer-funded arms every year, the support of arms sales to these dictatorial regimes in the Gulf, including those that are bombing uh, uh, Yemeni uh, civilians, his support for a, a bloated uh, uh, um, Pentagon okay. budget, which is uh, over half of the uh, discretionary spending that, that Congress passes uh, every every year. I mean, the, the, this idea that somehow Biden was not being militaristic enough is, <laughs> seems seems uh, ironic on on a on a number of levels. But he's he's, he's also a, a, a pragmatist, um, and he 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 lost his his son, uh, a veteran, 
of uh, both uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, who died of a rare cancer, apparently from uh, the destruction of his involvement in the destruction of, uh, of these uh, chemical stockpiles in, in Iraq. So, he, he, interestingly enough, he was the of the 535 members of the U.S. Congress in both the House and the Senate. He was the only member, the only one, who had a son or daughter in Iraq and Afghanistan, or Afghanistan. I mean, and uh, so, in many ways, he he had a he. he, he he maybe he does have a special understanding of what the costs of these uh, kinds of wars can have. Was it the United States, by occupying Afghanistan, ever going to change their culture and values uh, while they were occupying the country, considering the history of Afghanistan with the British and Russians? I mean, you know, there, you know, there's a, a particularly strong element of American hubris. <laughs> that, uh, uh, I mean, that, but it doesn't seem to. I mean, it seems to include some other world leaders. Yeah, yeah, to, I, I share mean, that I, hubris. I that, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think in the case of Afghanistan, I mean, you, you had this is the war was initiated under the Bush administration, and uh, these people, you know, these these new conservatives had a very explicit. Um, imperialist ideology. I mean, they really did uh, believe in American empire. They really did uh, you know, believe in this hegemonic view of, of U.S. domination you know, for the sake of American strategic and economic power. But you also had people supporting the war who came out of more of a sense of liberal internationalism. And I would, you know, I, I would see Helen Clark as part of that. Um, that I, I think that her motivations, like a lot of supporters of of, of of intervention uh, was was I think a sincere, if misguided, um, view uh, that one can uh, you know promote uh, liberal this... democracy, promote the rights of women, um, etc. You know through a military force. Unfortunately, and she that... hasn't learned anything from that. According to this newspaper article, she still believes it. She would be yeah, willing yeah, to stay and, there and, permanently. Yeah. Yes. And and you know there's. I mean, when when you're dealing when when again when you're you're, you're um, uh, you know, dealing with a uh, you know potential horrific um, humanitarian uh, crisis uh, like um, like what may be needs forthcoming, and indeed we are, uh, would not be surprised if we stories of various atrocities and others uh, tend to you know, will be coming out of Afghanistan in the uh, coming weeks and months and years, but the. The idea that somehow the uh, you know the West can you know would be able to to, to uh, set things right. I mean, it has a certain appeal. It would be nice if that was the case. <laughs> it, and, and unfortunately, the problem is we think really, we can set things right too many too often in too many places. Uh, exactly, and, and again, I'm, I'm not a strict isolationist. You know, I I I, I, I think I think there are one, one can uh, you know make make the uh, uh, the, the case that uh, that sometimes the governments that have the uh, means to do so do have a certain moral uh, responsibility uh, in in terms of uh, you know minimizing humanitarian potential humanitarian Don't disasters. you think the I really do not think I really I I, I mean I I, I I try you know <laughs> I really tried to think of scenarios where you know what can we do at this point and I really cannot you know come up with anything and and again this is why you know even though I, I as as your regular listeners know I've been quite critical of Biden's foreign policy uh, overall I think in this particular case. 
case, um, he, he, he did the right thing in terms of pulling troops out. Now, I do believe that it was handled poorly, the actual withdrawal itself, the, I, the, the, the failing to uh, recognize how quick the collapse could be. I mean, obviously, you know, there are some issues here. I, I, I hope there will be some reasonable investigations and people will be held accountable and that kind of thing for the, the, how the withdrawal was handled. But the withdrawal itself, I, I think, again, was quite... Um, uh, uh, what was uh, quite reasonable. It, uh, the polls show it had the support of uh, uh, over three quarters of the American public, and uh, that um, it, uh, it it was really something that that frankly should have have been done a, a long time ago. It was, it was a huge uh, waste of um, of, uh, of human lives, of, of money, of carbon footprint, of uh, all sorts of other other things. Okay. Thanks a lot for that. We're talking with Stephen Zunis, a professor of international relations in America at the University of San Francisco. He also specializes in um, strategic nonviolence and democratic action, including in America. How would you evaluate, uh, going on to Joe Biden some directly now, how would you evaluate President Biden's presidency so far? Um. Well, it, you know, um, it's been mixed. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, he on domestic issues, for example, um, he has been uh, you know, more progressive than a lot of people thought. That he is uh, the the uh, mainstream of the uh, Democratic Party, uh, like a number of the left center left of center parties in the uh, Western world had uh, in the. Uh, um, uh, yeah, starting in the, the late 80s into the 90s, had moved in kind of a neoliberal uh, direction. Uh, but uh, under Biden, in terms of his proposals for um, uh, you know, uh, stimulus packages and, um, and, and other efforts to uh, rebuild the country in the wake of the uh, major recession uh, due to, uh, to COVID and, and, and other factors, he really seemed to be moving the country back more in a uh, almost social democratic uh, direction, uh, in, in ways that we saw back in the uh, presidency of, of Franklin Roosevelt, and one that you know extended in, into the um, into the 1960s and 70s before the whole uh, uh, you know Thatcher Reagan <laughs> revolutions um, essentially turned the clock back. Uh, this attitude that. Um, that the role of government is to keep out of the way and let uh, big business uh, do its thing and, and hope that uh, that some of it will trickle down. And I think you know Biden um, is pragmatic enough to realize, hey, that's not working. And he also, I think, I think even more than most politicians, he's sensitive to um, uh, the where the political winds are blowing. And the political winds in the United States, uh, like in a lot of countries, have been swinging uh, uh, back towards the left, especially among younger uh, uh, voters, and especially as the United States becomes more ethnically uh, diverse. And he's been responding to that. Of course, he's being blocked in many of his initiatives by the uh, Republicans um, and a few uh, conservative uh, Democrats who, uh, due to certain archaic structures in the U.S. legislative process, have made it very difficult for him to be able to get uh, his uh, programs through Congress. But at least to his credit, he has changed the conversation uh, back to what can the government do to help people, not just what can the government do to uh, help uh, uh, you know, private business and, and 
and, and wealthy special interests. On the foreign policy front, uh, I've been more critical, and though, I, again, I believe uh, hit, hit that um, I am defending him in, in, in the face of, uh, of criticisms uh, regarding the de- decision to complete the pullout of Afghanistan, which I should note was actually originally arranged by, uh, by a former President Trump, um, he unfortunately uh, has ended up um, uh, being something of an outlier in the international community in terms of his support of the uh, Israeli government. Um, he, uh, he has not reversed Trump's uh, recognition of Morocco's uh, illegal annexation of, of Western Sahara, uh, and his, which is a full member of the African his Union. Future is really, uh, his future is really right, what yeah. happens domestically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 anyway, I can go down the list of his foreign policy uh, uh, failures, uh, but but you know, but again, this is not something that Americans generally vote on, unless there's it's actually a time of a major war or something like that. And his his measures, his domestic policies, are actually quite popular. Uh, sizable majorities uh, um, support uh, the various uh, stimulus uh, packages, uh, uh, support uh, his efforts around in, in environmental issues, getting more serious about climate change. Um, his efforts to uh, to address some of the uh, inequities uh, in terms uh, economically okay. in this country, which which, has, which are has huge. Has he compromised too much with the Republicans in the Senate? Uh, and and in certain ways, I think he has been naive at the willingness of certain Republicans to um, cooperate. I mean, but at the same time, he is he is somewhat um, um, handcuffed by uh, the existence of the uh, filibuster. And other. Okay. Can you um, briefly uh, explain the filibuster? Because we don't uh, have anything filibuster, like this. Filibuster is, is, is a way by which a um, a, uh, a a forty percent minority in the Senate uh, can block uh, certain kinds of legislation uh, from getting through. Uh, there are are some exceptions to that, but um, there are you know, there are one or two uh, uh, conservative Democratic senators who are are are. are uh, hesitant to um, support uh, the some of these more ambitious uh, agendas. And they, uh, also, the US they need to get rid of the filibuster, but they need a, a 51% Well, well yeah, I mean, yeah, and the thing is, part of the problem also is that, you know, the U.S. Senate is, um, there are two, um, you know, two senators from each state, and the, so these small states, you know, which and they have, like, Wyoming has only six hundred thousand people, but they have equal representation uh, in the uh, Senate as California, which has thirty-six million people. And it is these uh, smaller, more rural states uh, that tend to uh, to be Republican. They are overwhelmingly white and tend to be uh, quite uh, uh, tend to be more uh, more conservative. And some of the House of Representatives, even though it's divided more on population. Um, the Republican-controlled legislatures in many states have drawn the district lines in such a way that give uh, Republicans an artificial um, advantage, and so uh, the, uh, unfortunately, the the the, uh, the 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 gist of all this is that the um, uh, both the House and the Senate uh, are uh, you know have are disproportionately uh, uh, represented by uh, conservative Republican uh, elements. Even though the uh, majority of the uh, population of the United States, the majority of voters, um, actually take a more, much more progressive uh, positions on many of the outstanding issues uh, facing the country at this point. 
Okay, I might mention to listeners um, that they can podcast this uh, fairly soon after in the next few days by going to oar.org.nz. We're talking with Professor Stephen Zunas from the United States. Well, can you explain what the Republican strategy for the congressional elections next year is? Well, they, they have, a, have a hard time uh, talking about um, some of these economic issues because, again, the polls show that the, um, uh, that the majority, a solid majority of Americans actually su- uh, support uh, the, uh, uh, the Biden administration. In fact, or if anything, are to the left of the Biden administration on many of these uh, economic issues. Um, generally, what they have been trying to focus on is basically hot-button uh, issues on that uh, uh, that um, uh, inspire some of their more uh, conservative and, um, in you some cases, uh, race, uh, gender, and crime followers. And these would be things like uh, same-sex marriage, um, uh, legalized abortion, uh, you know, the the, the rights of uh, transgender uh, uh, people. Um, the 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 idea that somehow the 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 Democrats are imposing some kind of uh, you know radical uh, um, you know political correctness you know kind of agenda. I mean, even just discussing the history of racism and slavery in the United States, uh, you know, their efforts and to to basically uh, uh, you know claim they're trying to indoctrinate um, uh, um, uh, students into feeling guilty for being white, and they're they're, they're raising all these uh, um, uh, um, rather uh, bizarre and often misleading uh, I- examples. Uh, you know, you know, they're talking about you know that you know not, not trying to defund police and let uh, gang members and and illegal aliens and everybody kind of take over. I mean, the anti-immigrant stuff is a big uh, key you know, playing into this kind of um, of racism. So, you know, these are the issues that the Republicans are going to uh, be, be running on. Have the, the, Demo- the Democrats ever let themselves open to some charges of being a bit silly? Um, I was listening to David Shars, a Democratic Party Harvard-educated data expert who believes that the Democratic Party activists are mainly highly educated elitists who have little understanding and less respect for non-university educated working class people, and this can be a problem. Is that the case? I mean, there's certainly some elements of that, but... Uh, but in, 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 uh, it doesn't mean the issues are the, the Democratic Party has been the party of, um, uh, of, the, uh, of, of, of working class um, uh, Americans. Uh, certainly the economic policies of the um, of the Democratic Party are 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 you know, far more you know uh, beneficial uh, to, uh, to poor uh, less educated uh, elements in society. I guess what David was saying that they should put more emphasis on radical economic policies. And well, yeah, well, that, that, that part be... definitely definitely agree, and that's one of the one of the things that uh, you know Biden is really fighting for that Obama unfortunately failed to do. Uh, even though you know Obama, by some measures, you know, actually had had a more progressive record than uh, than uh, Biden did prior to becoming president, but but um, but what uh, but but you know Biden is recognizing that if 
if, if he can get these uh, stimulus packages and other uh, progressive economic things through, that uh, that that the uh, uh, working class Americans will notice the difference. Will will give credit to uh, the Biden administration. Will be more likely to um, to support him. And that's actually a major reason why the Republicans are trying to block it because they, they pull- know if he has these legislative victories, if people do find that they have their access to um, health care and and education and uh, other kind of uh, you know uh, quality of life uh, issues uh, you know uh, you know broadband internet uh, um, you know the, the, uh, public transit housing you know, I mean all these all these uh, good things uh, that it can really rebuild a large democratic majority as as the United States had for a number of decades in the um, in, uh, in, uh, uh, between the uh, you know nineteen uh, you know thirties through the nineteen seventies, but um, and and that's one reason they want to try try to block it because uh, yeah. they don't want those successes. In the they last, want people yeah. to still be struggling economically, so they can then really uh, push uh, these uh, these uh, these social issues and these push button things that will um, that they think that might get them more support. In the last six years, there have been a few working class. Mostly women, uh, Afro-American women or Hispanic women who come from the working class and have actually made it in Democratic Congress. But on the whole, most Congress people and all senators have been from the millionaires class. Yeah, so the Senate is a millionaires club. The majority of people in the Senate are are millionaires. Um, The... um, but and then we are seeing uh, you know a, a new generation of uh, progressive people in the House of Representatives. So that these these are often women of color uh, representing districts that are um, a majority people of color. But uh, again, these are largely in urban areas, and the way they draw the 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 the, the, the I mean, the state legislatures that draw the lines is that it it gives um, uh, you know uh, people in the more conservative rural areas a disproportionate uh, amount of um, of influence, and again, this has been a, something that has you know divided the the Democratic Party for some uh, some time. Uh, there's a line that says, "Oh, you can't be too radical because you don't want to alienate people in the middle." But given how low voter turnout is in the United States, the real key is increasing turnout among your base, and that is get people a reason they want to vote and stand in these long, long lines uh, that, uh, that you know, again, some of our archaic uh, laws, you know, make it you know, hard, very hard for people to vote. You've got to really work hard to vote, <laughs> especially if you're a minority, in terms of being able okay. to register, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, 30 to 60 days uh, beforehand, confirm your address, show your, you know, your, your, your ID, you know, uh, and, and go to the polls during the limited times on a weekday when there's no... Uh, when that's not a public holiday. I mean, I mean the, the election laws in the United States make it very difficult for poor minority and working class people to vote. So, you, so people have to work around that as well. But the only point being is you have to be enthused. You got to really want to vote, uh, to vote. Uh, and so that, that's that's why many people argue you want to have a Democratic Party gets people excited to vote, not just as a lesser evil, but something that one can actually be enthusiastic about. I understand. Are there some states presently in the United States, in fact, are there many states presently in the United States that are controlled by Republican governors and legislatures that actually uh, pass legislation and regulations in order to prevent 
uh, Afro-Americans, Hispanic, and poor people generally from voting. Oh yeah, very very much so. These are these are quite uh, deliberate, uh, indeed. In, in other in, words, in they actually want to prevent people from voting. Oh yeah, yes, yes, and and uh, they, they say it's to prevent voter fraud, but you know the kind of voter fraud they're talking about is really, really, really rare and hasn't made a difference in any any election. Uh, but they are making it very difficult, for example, for people to have mail-in ballots. Um, it made it, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, difficult. Well, what if you don't have a driver's license or a permanent residence? You don't know well, well, you, 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 a... you have to go to the county office and get some kind of other ID. Uh, but what? Let's say you live in, in an area where most Americans live. You don't have public transit, and if you don't have a, you know, and you obviously don't have a driver's license, you can't drive there. I mean, you have to take a day off of work. But they also control get, the people who control the voter uh, regulations in their states. So if they have these laws saying that you have to have these IDs and you have to live in a certain place for a certain length of time, are the uh, bureaucrats that they, they're uh, paid for and hired by the state legislatures, are they likely to go out of their way to make to help these people bypass these no, 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 again, because the case you want the obvious, and that is what the, you know, the, the Democratic uh, and other progressive candidates you know, have to do. They have to, you know, in other words, instead of putting the, the, the money into uh, campaign ads and, and brochures and yard signs and, you know, the kind of things that uh, most people do in, in, in campaigns, you know, you know that, that 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 badges and bumper stickers and you know all all that kind of stuff. They 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 in addition to that, they have to put money into uh, doing voter registration drives. They got to do money into figuring out ways of, of driving people to the polls that want to get there. Uh, they want you know to and, and that and 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 they, actually some some legislators even banned some of that kind of thing. In fact, the Georgia now has a law that you can be arrested for passing out bottles of water. For people who are waiting in the hot sun for hours to get into the polling place to vote, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is just shows the the the, the level of the voter suppression uh, that um, isn't that this why are, are to do. Should... And they have to take in the United States that much much of the voting practices are up to the and, and, and policies are up to the individual states. There's not. Yeah, but this is the kind of thing you'd find in a fascist country in South America or Eastern yeah, this Europe. Is the kind of thing you'd expect in some. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a corrupt former colony. You know uh, that that uh, you know so, somewhere, and it, it's just a. Um, and really, this, it, it this has real results. Office. I mean, uh, Bush became president, even though there was real questions about the uh, voters' pattern in Florida. And oh, yeah, I mean, the, in fact, Republic, the, the subsequent pr- investigations were that Gore actually won Florida, and that would have been enough for him to win the election. And what happened yeah, because he didn't become president? First, you had um, Afghanistan, Iraq. Certainly, Afghanistan might have happened anyway because of 9-11, because people uh, were very upset. But then you had Af- Iraq and the whole de- Middle East debacle that the two Bush administrations pushed through, and then you had uh, no real concern about climate change. All that might have been different if Gore had become president, if there yeah, had been a, yeah. if and, and, had been and, and a, a fair election. If, yeah, that had been a, if that had been a fair election, 
the history yeah, of the United States and the world. Yeah, if it had been a fair election, Gore would have become president. We would have not had the Iraq War, and a lot of other things would have been He different. had a concern for climate change already. Oh, yeah, and, and, and Gore is a huge, uh, 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 in fact, one of the most single prominent Americans in terms of speaking out about climate change, and he never got to be president. This has been a huge, made a huge difference in terms of the in terms of, of, of the climate crisis we're going through now. I mean, it was a huge tragedy. Um, and, and, and then, of course, Trump, uh, though, by the constitutional measures, he was fairly elected. Uh, Hillary Clinton you know, uh, got six million more votes than, 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 uh, uh, than Trump did. But because of the Electoral College, again, this archaic uh, uh, 19th century system the United States had, Trump became a president... Of course, instead I blame of, the Democratic of, uh, leadership. Uh, the Democratic leadership would rather have tr- risk having Trump than having Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the irony is that uh, you know Bernie Sanders would have would have uh, very likely beaten Trump, um, you know, because you know polls showed him doing better than Clinton. Uh, he would have gotten a lot of the um, white working class support that switched over to Trump uh, that that Hillary Clinton uh, uh, did not. Um, I mean, there, there, there's, a, again, it's very frustrating, actually, as you might imagine, being a political scientist in the United States, um, to um, see the, um, the kind of, um, you know, that the, the, the United States, in many ways, is failing some of the basic tests of what constitutes a democracy. And, and as someone who, who, you know, had, had, had uh, you know, who uh, you know, lived, in, uh, lived in Dunedin and lived, lived in New Zealand, uh, uh, you know, I, during my, my time at the University of Otago, I was a visiting professor at the uh, 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 National Center for, for Peace and Comic Studies at, at, um, at, at, at the um, University of Otago. And I, I, uh, I, so I got a chance to, to, um, to, 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 living in New Zealand, to see how your system worked, and it's far from perfect, uh, but it is, a, but you do have a, a functional democracy, uh, which in many ways is, is more than I can say for my own country. The would Biden have been able to force the two Democrats that were opposed to um, changing the um, uh, Senate um, filibuster system? Could he have forced them to? Um, I know you can't, you can't force them to. And I mean, the, couldn't, couldn't and the Democratic it, Party have said to these people, "Not only will you not get our support in the next election, but you will not be on any committee in the Senate." Yeah, um, yeah I mean, they, are, they could could make a harder line. I think they're still open to persuasion. And since we are talking about appropriations bill, perhaps they can say, "Hey, if we get all this extra money to your state." You know, will you consider doing this? I think they're trying well, the more of a carrot approach. The, the time approach. for, but, for but, but, but preventing, I, preventing voter uh, suppression yeah, yeah. is short. Yeah, yes, yes. And again, this is, this is, the, this is one of the other bills that uh, Biden is quite good, that, the, um, that, uh, that Congress is, is, is refusing to, to, to make possible, that would make some of these undemocratic uh, uh, um, uh, practices uh, uh, illegal. But I think it's important to point out that unlike uh, most parliamentary systems, we do not have a, you know, a strict system of party loyalty. You know, for example, okay. in most parliamentary systems, if an MP ends up voting mm. against the wishes of the party, uh, they're not on the list. Next we've time. done this. We've been this where before in the 1870s, mm. haven't we? Tilden was got probably was the, whether Tilden or the Republican Blaine would become. 
I mean, the Democrat Blaine would become president, the compromise that the Republican government would withdraw troops and activities from the South, and so they could suppress voter registration in the South after that withdrawal. And you have Jim Crow and black people not voting for 50 years. Yeah, I mean, mean, especially in the 19th century, there's all kinds of dirty dealings behind the scenes, including this one that ended Reconstruction, allowed the uh, reposition, uh, reimposition of a kind of apartheid, uh, a racial apartheid in in the South. Um, But, you know, generally the system in the United States has become more and more democratic over the years, uh, finally uh, giving uh, uh, women the right to vote, uh, finally uh, allowing people of color to have the right to vote. What's going to happen in the next uh, congressional elections? I I, I still think that uh, traditionally uh, the the party... um, in power, uh, in this case, be the Democrats with, with Joe Biden, ends up losing uh, seats in the midterm election. That, that's been the, that's been the normal trend. Uh, however, I think, and for a number of reasons, um, including the fact that, uh, despite some recent setbacks, Biden is is you know, more popular than most presidents have been um, the better part of a year into their first term, and the fact that the Republican Party has gone so far to the right. I mean, in many ways, the Republican Party has uh, is, is closer to the far-right parties you see in, in some European countries than it is the more, you know, traditional, um, you know, right-of-center uh, uh, parties you find in, in most um, uh, Western democracies. In fact, they've gone so far to the right, so extreme, the fact that a huge number of Republican uh, uh, members of Congress are insisting that uh, Trump actually ran the election, and there's this big conspiracy. Won the election, yeah. Yeah, 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 Trump won the election. There's some big conspiracy that that, by by Biden and the uh, mainstream media and the courts and everybody to steal the, I mean, these these really bizarre conspiracy theories, you know, this, um, so and, you're, and, and, you're hopeful in spite of the voter suppression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I am actually. Uh, that you know, the party has just gone well, so far s- off the rails. I hope for and, the and, sake of the world, you're right. Oh yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Um, the the, the, um, the it, um, it is, um, and, and you know, and and uh, I, it, it, we're going to see a number of uh, of, of um, fights within the Republican okay. primaries. You know, Are people? They, other than Californians taking climate change more seriously and starting to see that it's actually happening and that well, it's not I mean, that I mean, it's human I, climate. I, I, well, I, I think the awareness of, of climate change has um, um, grown quite a bit, given that we have these massive wildfires in the West, uh, these record floods uh, in the East, uh, the fact okay. that we have the hottest but July. I'm going to good, I'm gonna have to say goodbye to you at this point because we've sort of run out of time. It's been really good talking with you and hang on after I close down the program. Stephen Zunis, uh, Professor of uh, Foreign Policy for Americas, thank you very much for, and also American politics, for coming on and giving us um, an idea of what's going on and also your hope that um, things may change for the better in the next congressional election, which could mean something for climate change in the world and other aspects that actually affect other places besides the United States. Thanks a lot. My pleasure.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.